0: So it's really good to see you guys. Um, We're going to open with a a scripture verse. And tonight I want to challenge you to think about the things of God. uh, And not from our point of view to His, but from His point of view to ours. Um, One of our major flaws is that we tend to be um, egocentric We think the world revolves around us when in reality it's the creation that revolves around the creator. And so often we make things about ourselves when in reality we should be making them about God. What is the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God God with all your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself and so jesus says the most important thing the reason you were created was to love god and love your neighbor and after adam and eve turned away from the truth and bit into that fruit they passed on a tendency to all of us in this room to flip that on its head and so what we do is we love ourselves first and then if there's anybody around me that can love me then i'll love them and then if there's any time left over, it'll be God. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible teaches us that in our fallen nature as Adam's kids, um, we hate God. We don't want anything to do with Him. Uh, and it's God who reaches down into a broken and busted and sin-filled world and grabs broken and busted men and women like me and you and pulls us out. It's he, He's the one doing it. It's not us. It's Him. And so what we have to learn how to do is... Uh, Uh, Trust him, hear his words, receive his words, believe his words and act upon those words. And it's very important that we do so. So tonight, let's go ahead and um, just uh, a primer for what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about good divine providence. The divine providence, the word providence means basically guidance or care. So it's the ways in which God guides us and cares for us. And so God has known you before you were ever a blink in your parents' eyes. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew, he knew Jeremiah, right? And so he know he's known us all along. And the truth of the matter is, nothing that you have ever done has caught him by surprise. He has never looked down out of heaven and pulled his hair and go, "What is he doing now?" Because the reality is God is the one that decrees everything that happens and he knows what's going to happen. And he takes a bunch of broken and busted people like us with self-willed, self-righteous, self-sufficient and uh, and gets his will done through our broken and busted wills. Like, we're literally rebelling against him and yet he's using our lives as a way to glorify him. And it's amazing to think about that God is in control and that he cares for us and he guides us even when we don't think he cares for us or he's guiding us. He's always there. So here's just a, <clears throat> a verse of scripture for you. Um, if you want to read in Isaiah, like uh, chapter 40 through 50, ish right along in there. Um, that's uh, basically God's challenge to the false gods, the idols, the, the, the things that people are worshiping. And he's like, if, if you know, uh, it's kind of like him flexing and showing us who he is. Kind of like when he approached Job at the end of the book of Job and said, "Okay, now, you know, uh, strap on your your britches and stand up like a man. And I got some questions to ask you now. And so it's God's way of showing us who he is. It's a it's a battle between. Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant keeping, promise, keeping, creator of the universe, and the false gods that the that the Israelites had fallen into worshiping in the land of Canaan. And so um let's let's look together in I, um, Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10. This is just a primer for what we're going to be talking about. We'll read this verse and then, then open in prayer. It says, Remember. The former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that have not been done saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all of my good pleasure. Now, I want to show you how quick we are to invert God's word and use it for ourselves because I guarantee you that almost every one of you in this room when we read that first line, remember the former things long past started thinking about your past life. Like you were already saying, oh well God's talking about my past. Right? And the truth of the matter is that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Like He literally created time and space and matter. Before God said, there was nothing but God. And he created everything out of nothing. And you and I can't grasp that because we are something. Because we are his creation, we cannot understand or grasp the depth of who God is. And he's always been. And so what he's challenging us to do is to think about all of time and all of creation and everything that's gone on before us and everything that's going to happen after we're gone and think about the fact that he is God and that he is in control. And as you think about that tonight, as we open in prayer, I want you to remember two things. God is in control and God is good. All right? God is in control and God is good. If God is in control, that means that I am not. Yeah. All right? If God is in control, then that means that I am not. And the more I learn to lean on his control and stop trying to take control myself, the more controlled my life becomes. But as soon as I say, hey God, let me handle this for a while, what happens in my life? It gets out of control. So as we mature, as we grow, as we learn to trust Him in faith, as we begin to let go of our self-will and our self-sufficiency and our self-righteousness, we learn to trust a God who has us in His hands. And there's no way we can get out of Him. No man will pluck you from my hand. Right? So let's open a word of prayer. Father, thank You uh, for this time together and for this uh, beautiful night. And just a chance to open up your word, your truth, and to grow in our appreciation and our knowledge of you. Lord, you are a God who has been and has always been. Uh, You are the great I am. And you are good. And you are in control. And Father, I'll be the first to admit in front of everybody in this room that I personally have a tendency to try to take things into control myself and to not trust you. I constantly find my mind and my heart being egocentric and thinking about me and not you. And so, Lord, I pray that for the next few minutes we can lay aside our own personal desires, our own understanding that we will not lean on it, but that we will lean on your word and your wisdom. So help us to see the things we need to see tonight. Help us to apply them to our lives And um, help us to be conformed to the image of your Son through your word and through you, Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so. If you see there at the beginning, it says that God, this is um, the first paragraph there. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to get through about two or three of these paragraphs tonight. I doubt we will. We always usually only wind up in one. But we're going to try to get through these paragraphs tonight. And the first paragraph, um, we're going to read it slow because it can be a little bit confusing. Uh, But then we're going to go and find some verses of Scripture to apply to it, okay? So number one, it says this. God, the what? good creator of what all things god is good he is the creator of all things it's very important for us to always keep that distinction god is the creator and i am his creation and as we've talked about in the past in this group the, all of the heresies that you ever want to study about in the church always came when we start conflating creator and creation. Man tends to turn his back on the creator and find something in the creation to worship. What is that called when we turn away from the creator and worship Idolatry. the creation? Idolatry. That's exactly right. And as we've talked about in the past, for you in here struggling with chemical dependence, you are bowing down to a false god. I can't make it any more simple than that. You are looking for something in the creation to give you the hope, the peace, the joy, the delight, the desire. uh, the It's going to be okay that you need. You're looking for something in the creation to give you what only the Creator can. You were created by God to worship Him, to love Him, and to love the people around you. And again, like we've already talked about tonight, we have a tendency to throw that on its head and worship ourselves. And chemical addictions, drug addiction, alcohol, uh, whatever it might be, is one of the most selfish things that there is. It's all about you. You're chasing feelings. You're chasing emotions. You're chasing your desires. And it will always leave you empty. Because when you turn your back on the Creator and begin to worship the creation, you are turning your back on the source of life. God is the source of life, and that tree out there in the yard is alive, but the only reason it is alive is because God has given it life. And when you turn your back on the Creator and begin to worship the tree, some of you in here might be worshiping plants sometime in your life, you go and you worship that, and you look for that plant to give you life. And what does it bring? death because only the creator can give you life and so god is good he's the creator of all things he uh, has infinite power and his wisdom does uphold direct dispose and govern all creatures and things so let's let's look at that little slice there his infinite power what, what is another word for his infinite power? What do we call that? Uh, omnipotence. That's exactly right, Jerry. Good job. Yeah, omnipotence. Omni means all, all around. Potent means all powerful. He's in this room right here with us tonight. He is omnipresent, yeah. right? <laughs> so he's omnipotent, all powerful. Yeah. He's all present, he's everywhere. And uh, he's also omniscient, which science is the word for what? Knowledge, right? So he knows all things. And so, in his infinite power and wisdom, he upholds, right? The world spins on his will and his wisdom and his power. (coughs) So, upholds, directs, disposes and governs all creatures and all things. You know, You can get an, um, you can go and buy an almanac right now, and look in that almanac, and it'll tell you when the full moon is going to be in 2028, in March of 2028. What day the full moon is going to be? Right now, right this very second, you can go find out when the full moon is going to be in March of 2028. Why is that? Because the planets run in in an order that we can observe. Right? What does Psalm 19 say? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim His handiwork. He's the one that made it all. And the reason that it runs in the order that it runs is because He's the one that sets the order. The reason that we know when the winter's coming and the reason we know that uh, there's a hurricane coming is because we can observe the order of His creation. And what's so funny is a lot of times when we are most out of order is when he is, in, when he is really controlling things. I, well, he's always controlling things. But, you know, in some of the most chaotic times in your life, that's really when He's at work in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, He directs, upholds, disposes, and governs all creatures and all things. Uh, Any might be a Lutheran in here, but Martin Luther used to say that the devil, even the devil is God's devil. Oh, Have you ever thought about that? No. Now, remember, when God created Satan, He created him good. Everything that God created, He said what? It is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. Everything that God created is good. God allowed the devil to turn. God did not cause the devil to turn. God allowed the devil to turn to evil. And the devil became evil. But even in all of his evil, and even as wicked and powerful, and he is a powerful, don't get me wrong... Very powerful. But even in all of his wickedness and even in all of his power, he's still doing what God wants him to do. Think about him nailing Jesus to the cross, or him empowering those men and getting those men riled up to nail Jesus to the cross. The devil literally thought he had won. He finally got him. I got him. And the reality was, God was sitting back in his divine providence and allowed all of that evil to... Get his son nailed to that cross and then save us from that evil with that very work. So, when I say, when, when Luther say, would say, even the devil is God's devil, what does that mean? It means that even in all of his out of controlness, God is still in control of him. And there's nothing that he can do that catches God by surprise, there's nothing that he can do to outwit God. Because God... Well, we're going to see it here. As a matter of fact, um, let's look at verse... Uh, let's go Isaiah 46. We're there. Um, Isaiah 46. 10. We just looked at that one, didn't we? He declares the end... This is God. He declares the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not been done. So God declares the end from the beginning. Right? God is... God is there. Yeah. Like no amount of time, you're not going to be able to pass God. It's like He's bringing us to where He already says we are. Yeah, where He is. Yeah. Where He already is. And where is He? He's in His will. He's in His glory. He's in His goodness. And everything, well, in Romans 11:36 it says this, For of Him, and through Him, and to Him, are all things to whom be the glory forever and ever. That's actually my favorite Bible verse. That's that's my like my life verse, if you will. Think about what it says: of Him, of God, of Him, through Him, and to Him are all things to whom be the glory forever and ever. my friend let's go. Let's look at that. Uh, let, let's go over to Romans 11 and look really quick what what Paul's telling us there. Romans chapter 11. And let's look at verses we'll we'll go a couple verses above that just to get some context. Alright? So Romans eleven. All right. Yep. Let's start in verse, verse 30. Or actually verse start starting verse 29. The gifts. And the callings of God are irrevocable. Well, that's a really tough word to say, isn't it? Right? You can't change them. The gifts and the calling of God are unchangeable, if you will. You can't counter them. For just as you once were disobedient to God but you have now been shown mercy because of their disobedience. He's talking about the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. So these also now, having been disobedient, that being of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. Okay, so here's what Paul's talking about there. The the children of Israel were God's chosen people, and when their Messiah came, what did they do? They, they nailed Him to a cross, Right. And uh, so God used those Israelites to nail Him to the tree. In John chapter 1, it says this. It says, He came unto His own, and His own people did not know, uh, would not receive Him. He came to His own, and His own would not receive Him. But all of those who did receive Him, those who believed on His name, He gave them the right to become children of God. So He came and presented Himself to the children of Israel. And what did they do? They spit on Him and nailed Him to a cross. Now, that, is that evil? Yes, very much so. Does God still love the children of Israel? Yes, very much so. His children, right? But they did something very wicked. But by doing that wicked thing, Jesus, the the gospel then turned from the nation of Israel to the Gentiles. Now the whole world can believe. Back then, before Jesus got nailed to the cross, the only people that were real believers were who? The Jews. That was the, the only nation that really knew God was the Jewish people. So, God, in His providence, set it up to where His Son would come, they would reject Him and nail Him to a cross, and then He would turn to the Gentiles. And what's happened now? Now there's Christians all over the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. There's, there's His children all over the place now, and they're not all just Jewish. So, but what Paul is saying here is this, If you read 9, 10, and 11, you'll find out that was God's plan all along. The plan was for the children of Israel to reject Him, to Him to turn to the Gentiles. The Gentiles would receive Him, and then the Jewish people go, Wait a minute, that's our Messiah, you can't have Him. And the Gentiles would provoke the Jews to jealousy, and they would turn to Him and start worshiping Him. That's what's going to happen in the end times. Like it's already happening now. There's Messianic Jews everywhere that, that have truly turned to Christ and recognized that he's Messiah. Well, why did they do that? Well, because it's their scriptures. The, the, the Old Testament is all theirs. Yes. Right? It's ours too. But it was theirs. And now they can see that, oh, the old testament was talking about him too, and the Holy Spirit's opened their eyes and they're becoming believers. And they're like, wait, 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 those Gentiles, that's our that's our Yahshua. That's our Savior. You can't have him, and they turn to him as well. But what's going on? That's been going on for what, four thousand years, and God has not been up in heaven going, "Oh no, oh my, oh goodness, oh," you know. And he, and not only that, but he's not been running us like puppets. He's been allowing people to live their lives and none of us caught him by surprise because he's already had it all planned out but he's using wicked choices of wicked people and turning around and using it for good and so look what Paul says there for God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all." all Right? so when Adam fell how many of his kids were affected by the fall all all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God all of us so how many people are under the curse now? All. And God didn't hold any punches, did He? He didn't show any favors, did He? Adam was under the curse. So was Cain. So was Abel. So was Jacob. So was Isaac. So was Ishmael. So was Esau. Right? So was David. So was Saul. So was me. And so was you. We're all under the curse. Why? So that He may show mercy. Oh. The plan was we we turn our backs on him and he comes and finds us. Just like he did to Adam in the garden. Adam, where are you? And that's what he did for you. If you're a child of God, if you have become a believer through hearing the word and receiving him and believing him, if he has regenerated you, if you are a blood-bought, born-again child of God, the reason you are is because he came and showed mercy to you. That's what he says if you go back and read in Romans 9. He says, I will have mercy on who I will have mercy and I will harden whom I harden. And so that's God's plan all along. But look what he says in verse 33. So think about this world that we live in now and all the crazy stuff going on right now with COVID and wars and earthquakes and the Chinese are going to kill us all. And think about everything that you see on the news and think about your home life and and the wrecks that we've got back waiting on us at home. Think about all of the chaos around you right now, the chaos going on inside of you and all around you right now. And God is not up in heaven going, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> and all He wants us to do is trust Him. Hear His words. Receive His words. Believe His words. And walk in those truths. He just wants us to trust Him. And He's the one that gives us the power to do it. But look what Paul says there in verse 33. Oh, the depth and the riches both of the wisdom... And the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and how unfathomable, boy, that's that, irrecoverable and, and that's another tough word, isn't it? Unfathomable. I can't really say it. Unfathomable. Are his ways, right? You can't figure them out, is what it's saying. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor? Right? How many of you, when you pray, are already praying, knowing what God needs to do? Like you're praying and telling Him, "Listen, I'm ready to get out of here. Like when I get back home, I got this really beautiful girl that loves me, and we're gonna get married." And like you've got all these plans all figured out. You see, right? And when you're praying, you're just telling God, "Hey, okay, God, this is the plan you need to have." Right? Did you know now? um I hope this doesn't shock any of you, but did you know that your prayers are not going to change God's mind? Oops. Did you know that your prayers are not going to change His mind at all? The reason we pray is not to change His mind; it's to change ours. Because I can tell you, I wasted ten, well, a couple of times, ten, fifteen, twenty years praying for this girl to be the one. Right. And you know what the problem with it was? She wasn't the woman. But instead of allowing God to change my will, I just kept right on hard headed, stubborn for 15 years trying to make my will his will, his will my will. And that's not the way it works. Our prayer is about us learning to yield to him, not him to us. He's not a genie in a bottle. That's not, he's your creator. He's the one that holds your last breath in his hands. He's the one that holds your eternity in his hands. And we need to learn to trust him. And as we pray, we we pray so that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when our fallen nature and our busted nonsense, we're literally filtering his will through our will, we're screening it through what we want. That's not the way it works. And so he says, How unsearchable are his judgments. And unfathomable are his ways. Who has known the my Lord, or who has become his counselor, or who is first given to him that he might be a payback to him again? God is a debtor to no man. He doesn't owe you anything. Let me say that again. God does not owe you anything, and nothing that you have ever done is going to earn you anything with God. God is the one that created you. What does He need from you? What are you going to give Him? You're a creature. And all you have to give is creation. And it's His already. I want to say, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to Him. Right? What are you going to give? What does God need from you and me? Nothing. Nothing. He wants us to flip that on His head and realize we need Him. Not He needs us. Your prayers, your tears, none of that is something that He needs. What well, if you're praying for Him to help you to endure or give you strength? He will. And when you pray and ask for strength, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever exercised or, or lifted weights, but you know how strength comes, right? No pain, no gain. And when we, like what, one, of the, one of the worst things you can pray with God is you asking to give you patience. patience, because the way He gives you patience is through trials. Yep. Right? and what's so funny is now I'm 52 I'm 50, and i have just about I've just about finally figured out like a few things in life and the problem is now my body's broke down I can't do anything about it like I'm just starting to understand a few things now at 52 and now I'm too old to do anything about it when I was 22 years old and a knucklehead I thought I knew it all and the older I get the more I realize I don't know right And it teaches me to trust in Him. What happens? My body falls apart. My mind falls apart. And eventually, I'm going to go back to Him. And so I can stand and scream in the storm all I want. I really just need to learn to trust Him. But anyhow, He says this. Think about that. Who has first given to Him that it might be paid back to Him? God is the source of all. There's nothing that you can give him. And then that's when this passage comes in, my favorite verse. For from him, through him, and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Right? So, from him, the creation. Is creation from him? For him. From him. Is the creation from him? yeah he created everything through him what does that mean he's the one that keeps the stars in orbit and to him everything is going to glorify him right it's about him it's not about me and you of him through him to him are all things to whom be his glory forever amen so it, it teaches me and, and let's look real close if any of y'all can find it in here can anybody find you or I or me in there? Let's look at it again, verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever. Amen. You're not in there. Right? And the moment you put yourself in there, that is called Right? There's two ways to read Scripture. You can exegete Scripture and you can isogete Scripture. All right, that's the way you, it's an interpretation. All right? To exit means to what? You go up, get out. Yeah. So, if I exegete the scripture, I'm pulling out of it what I need. Yeah. To isegete means to read into it what I wanted to say. Oh. Okay? We do that. Like this one. I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you. Y'all know that verse? Yeah. Jeremiah 79. Oh, we know that one, only. Yeah. All right. You do realize that when he wrote that, that the children of the children of Israel had been dragged off into slavery. They had been in living in idolatry, and God finally put the beat down on them and sent the Babylonians and Assyrians Syrians then to come drag them off by their noses and drug them off into slavery. Okay, and when he said, "I know the plans that I have for you." it's going to be another 70 years before he breaks that bond of slavery and, so, and lets him go home. But me and you take that verse as like a little lucky charm that I can hang on my rearview mirror. Well, I know the plans that I have for you. The plans to prosper you. Well, the reality was they were going to be in slavery for the next 70 years. But it prospered them. What do you mean? How can, how can slavery prosper somebody? Right, there you go. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. Or, or, or think about this. You know, the light shines the brightest in the darkest places. Amen. And what was their problem? Why did they get drug off into captivity? Unbelief. Disobedience. What law? What was the main law they were breaking? They were idolaters. Amen. They were living in the land of Canaan, and they were Moloch and Baal and all of the Canaanite gods and goddesses. So, what? What did God do? He allowed them to act a fool and to see what those gods and goddesses would bring them. Nothing but punishment and destruction. And, you know what? One thing you won't ever see in a Jewish synagogue nowadays, you know what you won't ever see there? A statue. Or a painting. Or an image. Why not? Because that's the first two commandments. And they they're not going to have no statues or anything like that anymore. It beat that out of them. Now the problem is is idolatry starts with the letter I. I and the, the Jews that nailed Jesus to the cross, the reason they nailed Him to the cross was because He was coming in and showing them how much they weren't. Hmm. He was showing them I is not what it's about. And so we think about that. Uh, from Him, through Him, and to Him. And, and even the bad stuff. But we are so good at making it about us. We are so good about making it about us. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a great verse. Nothing in the world wrong with it. But remember, when Paul wrote it, he was locked up in a prison cell. And what he was saying is, even if I'm starving, if I got no money in the bank and all of my family and friends have left me, yeah. I can still be okay because God's got me. And no matter what's happening, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we take that verse and apply it to bench pressing 400 pounds or running a 4:440. That's not what it's about. It's about trusting God in the good and the bad. When we're sick, when we're hungry, when we're tired, when we're busted, when people are rejecting us. Guys, there is nothing in the world more... Life-draining than living. I got up this morning at 345 and went in and worked a 10-hour shift at a grocery store, came back home, uh, ate a bowl of rice and beans and a bagel with some cream cheese on it and a cup of coffee and come and taught this class. And I'm going to go home tonight. I got three hours of reading I got to do and I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get up tomorrow and I got to go work 12 to 10 tomorrow night and close the store down and my body is beat to a pulp this week. Uh, I work in grocery, and Thanksgiving is starting to come, and the business is starting to pick up, and there is nothing in the world more nauseating than hearing that alarm go off in the morning. And I'm tired, and I'm 52 years old, and now when I bend over and try to get stuff all off the floor, I look like an old man. And it's draining. But that's what life's about and so God wants you to trust him with the good and the bad and all of us in this room who got off away from Christ got away from God, got into drugs and alcohol we were looking for something to make everything okay but we were trying to do it in our wisdom and we were trying to do it through the creation instead of through, through, through the creator and what's it do? it destroys you uh, it people God. right but but remember, so we when we think about prospering, you know we think about uh, I, I think about you know I, some every once in a while somebody will leave their deposit slip at the ATM, and I look and go, man, they're prospering. <laughs> they're prospering you know, But who knows, man, they may be you know they uh, they may owe the yeah. A girl um, gave me a painting for my birthday a couple years ago, and a good friend of mine, and it was a painting that said, Some people are so poor, all they have is money. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But, but remember, when we learn to trust God, when we learn to walk with Him, what happens? We begin to learn that this life is temporary. And the life that Christ purchased for me on the cross is eternal. And I have things in eternity, now, already. And yet I'm still trying to clean this world, yeah. you know? And so I have to, you know, we hear, let go and let God, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but so to finish up the lesson tonight, because you know, we've kind of went around the block, a couple of things I, I want you to hear in this lesson. Number one, God is good. Oh, yeah. And number two, God is in control. Mm-hmm. And God is in control of you whether you're good or not. The bad right. And your life will be more enjoyable. You will have the peace that passes all understanding if you will just trust Him. If you will turn from the creation, trust the Creator, trust His providence. And remember that word. That's, that's what, what the word I want us to focus on. It's God's divine guidance and care. He's guiding you right now. Alright? He's guiding you right this minute. And He will continue to guide you. And He will either guide you by gently bringing you along, you know, supporting you from behind, or He will put a hook in your nose and drag you to where you need to be. Right? Right? And what's so amazing is with all of the decisions I'm making and all of my wants and all of my desires and everything that I'm doing, God is still in control. And He just simply wants me to trust Him and, and, and let Him be in control. Because He's an amazing God. He's your creator. He's the one that puts breath in your nose. He's the one that puts hope in you. And and I pray that all of you are trusting Him. So, um, if you want to cheat and read ahead, I won't I won't be back again until next month, but Um, each one of these paragraphs that we've read tonight has scriptural references to go with it. They're they're not just, you know, it's not just a cannon fodder. There's a lot of, uh, each one of the statements and the paragraph will have a a footnote at the end of it, and then that footnote will apply to those scriptures. So if you get some free time on your hands and you want to meditate on God's providence, we'll get more into it next time we're together. Um, So, uh, Lord willing, I'll see you all in a couple weeks, and let's uh, close with a word of prayer. Happy Thanksgiving and be thankful. Be thankful in all things, right? Uh, Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you that you are a God who is good and a God who is in control. And Lord, I, I, I pray for each man and woman here in this room and myself included that you will help us to trust in you with all of our hearts. Help us to stop leaning on our own understanding. Help us to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And Lord... Please make that path evident for us, the the path that you want us on, so that we can walk in it. Um, We are sheep that have gone astray, and we desperately need you, our good shepherd, to guide us and to comfort us and to keep us safe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.